All right. Good evening, everyone. I'm glad you could be here on Wednesday night to worship with us and uh, as part of worship to hear how God is at work around the world through partnerships that we're a part of, through things he's doing, uh, and students in not only down the road at campuses around us, but in campuses around the world. And so we're excited. I don't want to take uh, too much time away from the Welches. That way they have plenty of time to uh, to allow you to ask questions at the end of their presentation, that we can do that together. A couple of really quick things before we transition into that. First of all, um, Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children has their annual style show, uh, back to school dinner style show coming up, and we have a church member who purchased a table and then has some extra tickets as a part of that table. If you would like to go, it's August the 4th, Tickets are available. We just need you to go and be a part of this. Jim, you have the tickets with you tonight, right? Okay, if you can go, it's 5.30. It starts on August the 4th. Uh, if you've not been, you need to go. It's a really, really neat night, uh, what they do there. And so the tickets are available. Just pick them up and go and be a part of this. You'll, you'll be blessed. It's a, it's a really neat, uh, neat event that they put on, a great way to partner with them. Um, the... Uh, Ways we can be praying, I got a message earlier from Phyllis Poe that her test came back negative and benign in regard to cancer, so she was unbelievably uh, excited, as you, as you can imagine. So we, we rejoice with them. Uh, the same God who is at work in Phyllis's life is at work on the other end of the spectrum. Um, if, if you didn't know about this, um, there's a church down in Norman called Redeemer Church, and their pastor, Andy McDonald, Debbie, is, is Bo 12? How old is Bo? Yeah, so the McCormicks have a connection down there with Redeemer. A little guy named Bo who was adopted from Haiti, their son, uh, he was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer this last week. And so they're in shock. They're, their church coming together. We're connected with their church in different ways. Andy is an incredible guy if, you've, if, you're not kn- if you don't know him or been around him. But uh, we praise God for for Miss Phyllis's results, and we trust the Lord for His power with the McDonald's, and they're taking steps to get him connected with people who can care for him. But just praying for local churches and remembering those connections. Uh, be praying for Redeemer Church and for Bo and uh, and Andy and their whole family during this time. I'm trying to think of other things. Any anything else you guys have as far as as prayer updates, things going on. Remember this Sunday night, 5 o'clock, we're going to go out uh, in the community, do service projects in local schools, uh, continuing that connection we have with schools in our community, helping them prepare for the beginning of the school year. So is it best, we'll just all meet here at 5 o'clock. Is that the best plan, Jim, or? Meet at Southgate. Okay. I'll be here in case anybody shows up, and then I'll get people from there. If you... I'll send out a reminder email, but let's meet at Southgate. If people do come here, we'll have a team here to get get people dispersed at, from that point. So, all right. Well, let me uh, let me pray for us. I'm gonna turn it over to you guys, um, and it's all yours at that point. So, Father, we thank you uh, for your grace in our lives, God. We thank you for the partnerships that you've given us with local churches. Father, we pray for uh, Redeemer Church, for the McDonald family and, and Bo during this time, God, that you would guide them to 
treatment options for, for doctors to make decisions about how to care for them during this time and that you would continue to use that family to, to point people to the hope that they have in you. Um, God, thank you for partnerships that we have in the gospel around the world, uh, for, for the Welches and the ministry that, that they're part of. God, thank you for the history that Emmaus has, the heritage we have with mission work and the way that you continue to guide us forward with that. God, thank you for the children's home. Uh, the ministry that happens in, in those areas. God, thank you for our connections with local schools, uh, the opportunity to minister there. Father, we want to make the most of every opportunity that you give us to, uh, to proclaim and display Jesus to the world around us. And, and so, Father, I pray even tonight as we hear stories and we hear your word, God, that you would continue to do that work in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Throwing? Okay, I'm on now. I'm good. Oh, okay. Good evening. It is great to be with you. Um, we are the Welches, and before we kind of get into our presentation, sharing a little bit about who we are, our ministry, and some stories from our ministry, uh, I just wanted to begin by expressing our sincere thanks uh, to you, to Emmaus Baptist Church, for your uh, many years of faithful support of us and our ministry in Ukraine and Eurasia. Uh, it's such a blessing uh, just to know that there are churches out there who are not only supporting us financially, but also supporting us with prayer and just encouragement uh, throughout the year. And so uh, for those of you who we've not had a chance to meet, we are the Welches. I'm Brian, my wife, Lena. Uh, we do have three daughters who are right now at their, at, with Grandma, uh, a couple miles from here. And um, our oldest, Veronica, is 13. Uh, she will be a high school freshman here in three short weeks. Uh, our middle daughter, Erica, is 11, going into seventh grade. And our youngest is Laura, who is eight and will be entering third grade. Um, so I guess we can start with... A little bit of our story, and I'll let Lena share hers. It should be on. Good evening. My name is Lena Welch. Uh, I was born and raised in Ukraine, in the western part of that country. Uh, I became a believer in my senior year of university, so I didn't grow up in a Christian family, and my parents are still not Christian, so I can pray for them. Uh, right now, they're very supportive of what we do, uh, but initially they were really against it. They were what I called nominal Orthodox, and for a Ukrainian uh, if, you s if you change your religion or you change your denomination, it almost feels like a betrayal because orthodoxy is such an integral part of national identity in Ukraine and some other countries of Eurasia that we're going to talk about. Uh, but I grew up uh, as a believer. Uh, I, I was spiritually formed thanks to this campus ministry that we work with. Uh, the my first mentors were from uh, this ministry. Also, this ministry helped me find my local church where I could plug in and uh, serve. Uh, Brian and I have been married for 16 years, is that right? Uh, and we met <laughs> in Kiev where we started working together. Uh, so it was a great foundation for our uh, friendship and marriage because we, we were on the same team serving students. And it was uh, during that year we didn't have, did not necessarily have to impress ourselves because we were not 
that interested, but uh, it was a really good year to uh, learn about each other, uh, make good friendships other than one another, and just serve together as uh, partners in ministry. So I will let Brian share his mm -hmm. testimony briefly. Yeah, just to share briefly about myself, I'm originally, I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, through my, my father um, became sick with colon cancer when I was quite young, and through him coming to faith, uh, when I was around four, my family started attending church, and uh, he then passed away, but I was fortunate enough to grow up in the church and don't remember not being a part of church at any point in my life, uh, and through uh, just a, a great children's ministry uh, there at that church, uh, but especially through just some Sunday school teachers who spoke into my life and were able to answer those, some of those hard questions I was asking as a teenager, uh, I uh, made a commitment to faith. Uh, when I was 14, and uh, then went on to university, and in university got connected with the ministry that I'm now involved in, with uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And through that ministry just really grew uh, as, a, as a believer, also just had leadership opportunities, and through that uh, was exposed at a missions conference called Urbana uh, to an opportunity to travel to Ukraine uh, for a summer and uh, just felt God calling me to go on that trip. And through that trip, found out there was an opportunities to minister long-term in Ukraine and in the former Soviet Union, and just really felt God's pull on my heart that that's what he wanted me to do. And about a year after uh, that short-term summer trip, uh, which was in the summer of 1998, uh, so in 1999, sorry, summer 97 was that summer trip, summer in fall of 1998, Almost 20 years ago, a couple months from now, uh, will mark 20 years since I moved to Ukraine uh, for the first time to join the ministry there. And Linda's already shared a little bit of our story there. So that's how I got to Ukraine. And as um, a part of the ministry there, I've, I've been in several different roles with the student ministry there, um, working with uh, English camps, which Emmaus has been a part of. Uh, also have had opportunities to... Uh, work on, on the national team, helping them develop uh, systems for raising support and different things like that, but have now transitioned both of us to uh, roles within the region. And uh, to, uh, the map's not the largest, but this is uh, a map of Eurasia, uh, the, as we call it within our ministry. Uh, it's the former Soviet Union, so Russia, Belarus, Moldova, and Ukraine, uh, in the west, and then you, if you head south, there are the, the Caucasus, the three small countries of Azerbaijan, Armenia, and Georgia. And then to the east, uh, Central Asia, uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. Um, all of those Central Asian countries are um, Muslim, secular-led um, countries. Uh, in Eurasia, there are about 290 million people, uh, and um, as many of you can um, imagine, you know, for several of those countries, especially uh, those from a Muslim background, uh, there's a real need for the gospel. And there are, you know, tens of thousands of students in each of these countries that we are trying to reach with the gospel. Um, one other thing I just wanted to share briefly about is uh, the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, it's one of the questions that we are often asked uh, is what's going on with, 
with Russia, what's, what's the situation between Ukraine and them. And just so you know, even though it's not, it may not be very often in the news here, uh, the conflict is still ongoing. Uh, Crimea, there in the south, the, the red section of land, uh, has been annexed and is fully under Russian control. Uh, they block all media from Ukraine and limit human rights for some of the citizens there. Uh, but the active fighting right now is all taking place in the east. So to your right, in that red section to the, in the eastern part of the country, uh, the two main cities there are the cities of Lugansk and Donetsk. Uh, in, that, in that area, um, along that border region, uh, the Russian-backed terrorists, the separatists, um, it's just an ongoing, every night there are bombardments, artillery fire, uh, snipers are shoot at whoever they um, see traveling in those different areas, uh, as well as you know, landmines have been placed, and so it's a, a very difficult situation for um, all of those who live in that area, and especially those who are on that border. And it's been about four years since that conflict began, and uh, within Ukraine there are about two and a half million people who have been internally displaced, who were forced to flee from this area, uh, they you know, fear for their lives, um, maybe fear for their businesses being taken over or, or whatever, and so they fled to family, or some just looking for anywhere where they could relocate. And so many of those have moved to Kiev or to other cities in, in the western part of Ukraine. And people often ask, what, what's going on in, those, uh, in that section of the country, that part of the country where they're still a conflict, or we'll call it a war. Uh, people uh, live there, and uh, there is even like some sort of a government of that insurgents form. Uh, but just recently, we received uh, news from there that the, all the evangelical churches were closed there. So they claim that there is some uh, religious freedom, but act actually, during these three years that the conflict has been going on, bit by bit they were closing churches and now particular Baptist churches for some reason they closed them completely oh, down. Yeah. In the picture you see the old lady who lives um, not, not in that conflict but on the border where it's still uh, uh, control the, the land that's still controlled by the Ukrainian government and this is where you, uh, Ukrainian believers still can travel and minister. And you also can see a military officer, a female military officer in the background of that picture. So this picture is taken by one of our friends who accompanied the humanitarian aid trip, a relief trip to this area uh, to help people uh, with food. But also this particular group was from uh, a church. So uh, even though this is a horrible tragedy, people's lives have been uprooted, there's constant shelling, churches still being formed there and, and very successfully, I don't know if successfully is a good word for it, but it's really uh, a matter of life and death for those people. So when you share the gospel, it's not really like hypothetically, you can be with Jesus soon. No, you can really be with Jesus soon because of the obvious circumstances. Mm -hmm. And our local church in Kiev actually sent um, one of the, our members, he's a young guy, a graduate from the seminary, and he pastors two churches. He's quite young. It's unbelievable to think that he's, I don't know, maybe in his 20s. <laughs> but he's constantly, he permanently lives there, and he travels between these two churches. So our local church supports us. So there are Christian believers in that zone or near that zone, so please pray for them. Of course, we don't know when politically this conflict will be resolved, but God is using that situation. So Let's pray for as many, as many people uh, got, get to know Jesus as possible, even during, the, during this conflict. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and just uh, one of the other questions we're also often asked is how far are we from this fighting? And so uh, we don't feel our safety, you know, we don't fear for our safety in Kiev. We're about 300 miles from the conflict area, so there's a, a fair amount of distance. So um, moving on from that conflict uh, to our ministry. And so within our ministry, our vision is to see students build up into communities of disciples, transformed by the gospel, and impacting the university, the church, and society for the glory of Christ. Uh, we've been involved, you know, as I've mentioned, for 20 years in this ministry. Uh, and we love students. We believe that students are one of the most critical groups of people to reach with the gospel. Uh, during, you know, those years from, you know, here it's 18 in Ukraine and elsewhere in the region, often a lot of the students are 17 when they begin their first year of university. And so those years from 17 to 21, 22, 23 are such formative years uh, for anyone, for people. It's when a person really decides who they are, what they believe, and what are they going to live for. And so our desire is to reach those students with the gospel and uh, pray and hope that through the strengthening of their faith or them coming to faith and God being a part of their life, that they will impact the world around them, whether that's their family, their universities as they're students. Once they graduate, they'll go into positions of, of influence, whether those are teachers, politicians, businessmen, uh, wherever in life God leads them. Uh, so as a ministry, uh, we are uh, at work not only in Eurasia, but the, um, the Interna International Fellowship of Evangelical Students that we work with uh, is active in uh, over 160 countries around the world. Um, this past year, and for a number of years, uh, one of my main areas of ministry focus has been international student ministry. Uh, the picture uh, that's on the screen is from uh, a conference I had the privilege of attending in the country of Belarus, uh, just a few hours north of, of us in Kiev, uh, just outside Minsk, the capital. And uh, this was in February. And this gathering, kind of weekend gathering of students, uh, gathered students from about eight different countries, uh, from Belarus, from Russia. There was a German student uh, also, a few students from uh, the country of Turkmenistan, uh, which is one of uh, the most closed countries in the world. Uh, many people would put it number two right behind North Korea. Uh, the government tries to control online access, listens in on cell phones, just limits the movement of, its, of, of the people in terms of, you know, not many people can leave the country or come into the country. Uh, and so this... This conference was just a great time of sharing the gospel with these students, uh, talking and answering lots of questions as we sat late into the night sometimes over a cup of tea, uh, just talking about life and how, you know, answering just those spiritual questions that many of them had. Uh, for me, one of the particular joys uh, at this conference, and actually for a couple years now, through the ministry, uh, about four Perhaps five students from Turkmenistan have come to faith, uh, and we just really appreciate your prayers uh, as actually four of those now, at least I think as of now, because this summer two more are returning home. And so last summer two students returned home, this summer two, student, two more students are returning home, 
uh, and would really appreciate your prayers for those students uh, as they face, um, you know, are risking their lives, perhaps, um, if, depending on what, how their family reacts uh, to their newfound faith, uh, and also just pray that they would be able to get connected with churches. Uh, we are aware there are churches in Turkmenistan. Uh, they may be underground. It may be hard to find. So we do hope those students are able to just get plugged into a church there. I'd like to give you uh, another glimpse into our ministry. We minister with wonderful people, national leaders, and their, amaz- and their lives, life stories and conversion stories are amazing. And in this picture, you see me with a married couple who serve in the country of Georgia. Uh, and their names is Niko. The guy's name is Niko, and her name is Teona. And their last name is Jugashvili. So the city where they minister is called Gori. And the city of Gori is also a birthplace for another famous leader. This leader was born in the Soviet Union. He became the, the uh, general secretary of the Soviet Communist Party. And he's become the most feared, the most authoritarian, uh, the most, the most uh, fe- uh, feared uh, leader who uh, ruthlessly uh, executed everyone and anyone uh, who he mistrusted. And I'm talking about uh, Joseph Stalin. Um, Joseph Stalin was his pseudonym, I don't know if you knew that, which meant in Russian means uh, a man of steel. But his uh, real last name is Jugashvili. Uh, so you can probably guess that our colleague, Niko, and, and Joseph Stalin are related. So gener- they are generations apart, but still they are related. Uh, so Joseph Stalin, when he was young, uh, he actually was trained to be a priest. And he went into the seminary. But then at the age of 20, he discovered Uh, atheism and Marxism, and so he quit his pursuit of priesthood and joined the Communist Party at the age of 20. Nico, uh, our colleague and friend, uh, he became a believer in his uh, young age, uh, and at the age of 20 he joined our staff and he became a campus minister. And uh, it's just a privilege to come alongside this married couple in the country of Georgia as they uh, work in a very strong orthodox uh, environment where uh, the orthodox priests would not allow their students to uh, join a campus ministry to even share their faith. It's very, uh, or, uh, very controlled. Uh, so it, it is not necessarily a different, fa- a different faith, but different denomination. But they do uh, believe, I mean, the, uh, this young couple, they do believe the campus ministry is important, and we are privileged to come alongside them and mentor them and help them. And every time I come in touch with them, every time I visit them, I think of uh, Nico's story and think what a glorious story of redemption. And speaking of coming alongside and mentoring, uh, that's, as I mentioned, Lynn and I are part of uh, a regional team. Uh, There's a group of about five of us who serve uh, on that team, serving all of those countries I listed that are part of Eurasia. And this particular picture is just from this past June, just from last month. Uh, Every two to three years, uh, we have the opportunity to gather all of our staff and some of the volunteers together Uh, for a time of training, and Lynn and I were part of the team uh, facilitating uh, this training event uh, where we had about about 80 staff uh, gathered, and uh, it's just an amazing time of being able to meet face-to-face with uh, the staff that we have built relationships with, uh, as well as to spend time in worship and spend time in scripture. Uh, as well as just talking about different skills and and offering training for the staff uh, so that they can grow and be more effective in their ministry and reach even more students on their campuses. 
Um, and for me in particular, uh, it was also a very encouraging time as uh, I met with several other staff who uh, are working with international students around um, the, the region and uh, was just really encouraged by their stories of reaching out to students. Uh, with international students, uh, I feel like we have such a tremendous opportunity to reach so many nations. Uh, in Ukraine alone, for example, there are about 70,000 international students uh, representing 160 countries. Uh, and some of those countries include you know, Tajikistan and Uzbekistan uh, in Central Asia, also the country of Azerbaijan, Iraq, uh, other countries from Northern Africa, uh, Nigeria, um, and just China. <laughs> so many countries that uh, are close to the gospel, uh, countries that are difficult, would be difficult for me to travel to, but yet the students are traveling to us in Ukraine and we have an opportunity to share with the gospel with them. I'd like to tell you another story about a colleague of mine. Her name is Katya. Uh, she's from the country of Belarus, which is north of Ukraine. And her story of conversion is similar to mine. She became a believer during her university years. And now she also joins staff. I mean, actually, she's been on staff for about six years. Um, and a, little, a few words about the country of Belarus. Uh, the president of Belarus takes pride that he is running the last standing dictatorship in Europe, because Belarus geographically is in Europe. And I think uh, he's been uh, the president since the, the collapse of the uh, Soviet Union, which is way more than 20 years ago. So I don't remember any other president other than mm -hmm. this one. Uh, so uh, the religious freedom in that country is uh, restricted and limited. Uh, believers can meet to worship, but only in the uh, physical buildings of the church, and the church has to be registered with the government. Once you leave through the door of the church, you cannot share your faith, you cannot read your Bible, you cannot meet in your homes uh, for, for your expression of faith. So needless to say that our campus ministry is uh, done there underground. Uh, unfortunately, our staff there are not employed officially, which means they don't collect uh, social security or uh, pension. And often they cannot even tell their parents what exactly they do because their parents may not be believers. And uh, however, this past academic year uh, was the fifth, hundredth, five, five hundredth anniversary of the first uh, Belarusian uh, Bible published in the Belarusian language. Uh, so the president was kind enough to allow for religious activities to, uh, to go beyond the um, boundaries of the actual uh, church buildings. So our staff were really excited about that, uh, used the opportunity to organize seven outre evan evangelistic outreaches in seven cities of Belarus. So like hundreds of students uh, came to those activities. Uh, dozens of them came to Christ, which was unprecedented. So in six cities, everything went fine, but in the seventh city, some things went wrong. And the outreach was uh, done in a local cafe. Uh, uh, the president allowed for these activities to happen, but the owner of the cafe, uh, probably fearing for his life or being suspicious of this uh, religious activity or something spiritual talk going on, so he called KGB and 10 officers in uniforms came into the uh, cafe and wanted to arrest everyone. There were about 30 students and four of our staff, including Katya, who was leading that outreach. Uh, all, the all the four staff begged the officers uh, just uh, to arrest them and let the students go, to which the KGB officers kindly agreed. 
so they've taken them for interrogation. And to make the long story short, for this whole past year, this happened in the fall, for this whole past school year, these four staff, and particularly Katya, have been harassed, interrogated every couple of weeks, you know, called into the uh, question. And, you know, it's very unpleasant experience as it is, even if you are not guilty. Uh, Katya had to go to several court proceedings. She was very discouraged. And I remember her email around Christmas time, uh, which had a, sense, a little bit of sense of humor in that email. She said, well, everybody around Christmas is expecting Christmas gifts, and it was only me who's expecting subpoena to be summoned to court. So even in that situation, she had a sense of humor. Uh, this case was a big deal in uh, Belarus because it uh, drew attention the, of international human rights organizations, including Christian, uh, Christian lawyers. Uh, and they all uh, tried to convince Katya to fight till the end, to make it a big deal. Uh, and it could probably, if she would, uh, she said, no, I'm going to take it all. Um, I'm going to just do it on my own. I'm not going to attract attention. Uh, because it, what probably would have happened, yes, her plate would be uh, cleaned. She would be probably... Um, I don't know, justified, mm -hmm. but what it would have meant, you know, like it, you probably need to know the rules of the game in a dictatorship, you know, the rules to play with a dictator. It probably would have meant that the whole ministry would be uh, investigated and probably all of the other colleagues would be put in prison. The worst punishment she could have got would be 20 days in prison, which is awful, but uh, I mean, even if she would have gone to the 20 days in prison, what is, uh, what is worse, if she would got out, she would not be able to find a job for the rest of her life because the stigma of imprisonment and that record, criminal record, would be permanent. So we prayed and prayed like, I don't know, I've never prayed this hard in my life, you know, I, I it kept me awake at night because, you know, she's our friend, she is our colleague, and during that time, Brian traveled several times to the team to support them and encourage them. And by, by God's grace, it was a God's miracle, she only had to pay a fine. She only had to pay, uh, to pay financially. Uh, and this record will only go for a year. This, this was not uh, counted as a criminal offense, but as an administrative um, mistake, I guess. So this is truly uh, a miracle, but watching her uh, interacting with Katya, uh, was a great, I mean, it, it was a, uh, I saw her being unashamedly faithful to the gospel. And she's, she's being young, I mean, she's probably 10 years younger than me. So it's just a, just a glimpse into what is still happening in the world, even though it's 2018, you think, well, you know, even in countries like Belarus, which is Eastern Europe. So, mm -hmm. so um, in thinking about this evening, um, I did want to share a little bit of encouragement with you from from God's Word, and uh, I mentioned um, a few slides ago about that time that we spent with um, the staff team, the greater staff team from the region in um, at, at that training event. And during uh, those uh, 10 days that we were together, uh, we had the, the opportunity to go through and study uh, the whole book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, there's a passage from there that I'd like to um, look at this evening. So if you do have uh, a Bible with you and like, um, I imagine that that's pretty hard to read from here. Um, <clears throat> we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 uh, and looking at the first 15 verses. Um, and I just uh, would like to read those verses and uh, share a few thoughts. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. 
we do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Um, I realize that's a, a fairly long passage, 15 verses, uh, but as I was thinking about this evening and thinking about... Um, the stories that we've shared and just our ministry, I felt this passage just reflected uh, a number of things that I hope are, are true for us in our ministry, that, that we believe God has called us to in, in Ukraine and Eurasia as we reach out to students, um, you know, praying that, um, you know, because we realize that, you know, it's not through our own power. It's not through us that... You know, lives are changed in the region. Our students come to faith. It's only through God's spirit and through him at work through us. Uh, also, you know, the section in here that talks about, um, you know, being perplexed or, um, one second while I find it. Um, you know, being hard-pressed not crushed, perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. Also just reigns so powerfully for us, you know, either Katya's story or, you know, we have other colleagues who uh, have had their lives actually, you know, in danger uh, within Central Asia uh, because of their faith. And, you know, their family, you know, in some cases a family member who was threatening to kill them uh, because, you know, <laughs> they've abandoned um, Islam and are bringing shame to uh, their family. Uh, and so for us, these are just humbling passages that uh, speak to, so powerfully to the gospel and to God's power. Um, so I hope those also will encourage you. And lastly, before we open up for some questions, we would like to share a few uh, prayer requests with you. 
so there's three things we would uh, ask you to pray for. Uh, the first is just for God's peace in uh, Ukraine and Eurasia uh, with uh, the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, there's also other similar conflicts in, in other parts of the country, uh, tensions with Russia or between other nations. Uh, and so please pray uh, that God's peace would come. Uh, secondly, uh, please pray for the students. Uh, pray that God would just work powerfully in their lives, that he would bring them unto himself and that the students would come to faith. And those students who are believers, that they would, would grow in their faith and in boldness as they reach out to share the gospel with other students. And uh, thirdly, if you could please pray for us uh, in our financial need for uh, support for our ministry. Uh, we're currently uh, in need of about $1,000 a month in ongoing support uh, to be fully supported. Uh, over the last couple years, uh, a few churches and individuals have had to drop their support, and so we're looking for uh, new partners and opportunities for people to partner with us in ministry, and would appreciate your prayer uh, for that. So, thank you. And with that, uh, we would like to open it up for questions. And feel free to ask, um, you know, questions about life, ministry, things that we've shared, or you can also ask about things we haven't talked about if you'd like. Yes, Daryl. Mm -hmm. um, to the best of our knowledge, within Eurasia, there are no radical Islamic militants, um, at least nothing that's homegrown. I mean, perhaps in in a couple, like in the far south of Central Asia, in you know, there might be someone who's come in, but there's no there's no groups like ISIS or other radicals that that we're aware of. And in Central Asian countries, Central Asian governments are quite secular as well. So by secular, I mean they restrict any religious freedom. It's not just Christians, but also Muslims, although they do favor Muslim faith more. So they are in, they keep control of all the, this is to prevent any radical expression of faith. Yeah. So there, there are a few dictatorships in that area. Um, but it's more about personal power and wanting to gain wealth than it is um, anything that is violent in nature. Yes? Um, so, um, it kind of depends. I mean, in some ways, sometimes they're not a part at all. I mean, in the sense of we, as much as possible, try to keep their life normal, if that makes any sense, in terms of, especially during the school year. So they're, they attend a, a small Christian missionary school in Kiev. Um, there's about 130 kids, kindergarten through 12th grade, so it's, it's quite small. Uh, and so since they attend that school, you know, we, we try our best not to take them out of school very often. Having said that, you know, so for example, the kids were with us in, at that staff conference. I don't know if you saw, the, they, I don't know if they were visible in the picture or not, but there were a m number of families there with kids. Since it's, so for a longer event like that, that was 10 days, we have the kids with us. Uh, and so, and they love being around the students and, and I mean, being around the staff and, and other people. Also, they've been at 
the different English camps. They're, they love being there because there's students there. And there's other conferences that we've taken them to when there's students around as well. So they, they do in, enjoy somewhat being in, in, interacting with them, but they're also a little bit intimidated by the college students. Their ministry is in church. So like Brian said, try to keep their life stable. So they are really rooted in the church. Um, I mean, they, are, they know Christ as far as we know. They are baptized. So our oldest runs sound. She's part of the sound team, light team lights. Uh, our, our middle one is, um, what do you call it, assistant teacher to in, the in younger school. kids in Sunday school. And the, the youngest still is, I don't know if she's in that class. <laughs> her she's, her ministry is some, smiles. <laughs> smiles and energy. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, we try to involve them. And so I mean, as far as prayer requests, I mean, the main thing is that I think, it, it, I mean, pray for them that, you know, Lynn and I, in our responsibilities, we we don't travel a lot, but there are two to three trips a semester that take us away from home for three to six days. We, we try not to limit our trips you know, more than a week as, as if possible. And so, but that's still, it, it's, it's disruptive for, you know, for some of you, you, you know, either for you with your families or growing up, you know, whether families are in sales or different things, there's other jobs that take people travel. And so just pray for them that, you know, when mom or dad are away that um, they're able to understand and that it doesn't impact them negatively, I, guess, I think is the main prayer request. Do you have any other? Pray for their faith, you know. Yeah. The, they are children of believing parents. There is such a term in Ukraine, like even an abbreviation. And there is a tendency, what we see in our, we have missionary friends, that Somehow kids can walk away from faith, which scares me to death. How it can be so? And I think, well, what can we do? And all those parents do the right thing. But I un we understand that we need to let go and let God take care of their spiritual formation. But th this is, our, I think, even more important pr prayer request. So they continue walking with Christ, and their faith will become their own and not just their parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for missionary kids, it can be similar to pastor's kids, where we don't want them to build resentment to God because of our ministry taking us, them feeling like we're, it's taking us away from them. So, thank you. So, um, Ukraine now is one of a, I think a very small number of countries in the world that actually officially recognizes two Christmases. Uh, Moldova is another one. So uh, Christmas on December 25th, Western Christmas, or in some, some places they would call it Catholic Christmas in Ukraine. Uh, and then on January 7th is Orthodox Christmas. And so Orthodox Christmas is celebrated throughout the whole region. Um, and that's a historical um, reason for those different dates that goes back to... Um, splits within the Catholic and Orthodox churches. And so, yes, um, they are celebrated, and we often do many different events around both holidays uh, to share the gospel. Uh, and also, you know, especially um, before January 7th in many countries, that's, that's part of winter break for the university students. So we do different conferences or, or, or gatherings uh, to get students together um, because they like doing things that are, you know, away from home uh, with their friends. And so we take those 
opportunities to share. And Easter is also observed uh, and one of the, the highest holiday in the Orthodox Church. Uh, again, the date is sometimes the same and sometimes different. Um, and so um, we also host many events around that. You know, as Linda shared with uh, the, in Belarus with Katya, uh, some of those outreach events that they were doing were connected with Easter. It is, uh, and that's, that's one of the things we challenge. So within each country, there is usually a national, I mean, we're establishing a, nas- a ministry among national students. So it's, you know, if it's in Ukraine, it's Ukrainian students. And then we're also encouraging those students to be thinking about to reach out to the other nations. And so it, a lot depends on, it's all very situational, because a lot depends on what nations are we talking about. So, for example, um, in many of the countries, in many cities, there are lots of Nigerian students who are studying. And a lot of them are coming from Christian homes, or at least nominally Christian. And, you know, they grew up going to church, but they, you know, whether or not they have their own belief um, or, or, you know, where their standing is with Christ, you know, may be a question. However, they love just being drawn into community. I mean, a lot of the students, it's, it's not unlike international students here in America. You know, they've come, they want to learn the culture, they want to meet people, they want friends, they want to build relationships. And so in, in that sense, it, it's, it, it's not that hard to, to build bridges with those students. Um, it does get a little more complicated in sharing faith when you start talking about Muslim students, um, especially if there's groups of them, uh, because they, there's a lot of peer pressure to not... You know, it, it, that becomes more of a, you take someone out for tea or coffee and have one-on-one conversations about faith. Um, at other times, you just, you know, you, you involve everyone in the group. Sorry. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm But we also use the, advent, the cross-cultural advantages. For example, Indian students who are Hindu, culturally, they all hang out in groups. Mm-hmm. So if you make a friend with one uh, Indian student and invite that Indian student to your Bible study, you need to be careful because he or she can bring 20 more friends with her. <laughs> and the same, if they yep. cancel the last moment, then it means 20 students cancel the class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, we want to wrap up so we can uh, take care of our preschool and kid, kid volunteers, but equally so, uh, this is a chance to come up and ask yep. personal questions, follow up with questions, anything anything like that, but we want to be able to, uh, to pray for the Welches, and then you guys come up and, and follow up. Also, don't forget about grabbing those Children's Home uh, event tickets from Jim as well, if you'd like to, it, like to get those. And if I could mention, we, on the back table right by the sound oh, booth, yeah. uh, we did put out a sheet of paper that if you would like to receive uh, prayer updates from us, we have a, an email list, so if you could write your name and email, uh, we will be sure to add you to that list. And we also put out some prayer cards, so if you would like to, please take one. Uh, and we would appreciate it, you know, would, would cover any prayers. Glad you said that. Yeah, so definitely, you. definitely grab those back there. All right. Father, thank you for, for this time tonight. God, we pray for your peace in, in this area of the world. Uh, God, that, that the opportunities are always there, God, but that our eyes would be open and that you would continue to move uh, among these students. God, we know that you are in control and at work in, in political situations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, God, we do pray for, for peace so that people would come to truly know your peace personally. God, we pray for the students in, in these areas that you would form relationships between them so that the gospel would continue to spread um, through one-on-one -on -one interactions, um, even through these group interactions, as Lynn was talking about. Mm -hmm. God, continue to provide for the Welchers. God, I know that they continue to trust in you. They're trying to be faithful to what you've called them to. And Father, I pray for their kids, that you would continue to grow them in faith, God, that they would see the joy of, of being involved in sharing the gospel in, in different cultures and different ways. And God, that, God, thank you for that testimony about them being connected uh, with their local church and serving there, God, that they would continue to find joy in, in serving you in those ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks again for being here tonight. Grab a prayer card, get with Jim, come up here and talk.